As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, 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 hello. Welcome to another episode of The Emma Gunn Show. I'm so glad that you've joined me and I'm delighted to be able to say that in this episode, I'm joined by formulator, brand owner and entrepreneur Sunday Riley. Now, Sunday Riley is undoubtedly a cult beauty brand with iconic beauty products among the range, good jeans being just one of them. And perhaps the reason why Sunday Riley, the brand, has been such a game changer and has been so embraced by so many skin intellectuals, and I know there are a lot of you listening, is that it balances science-based active ingredients with botanicals and, crucially, in formulas that people come back to time and time again because they deliver on their promises. In this episode, though, I get to speak to Sunday the businesswoman and discuss how being a product formulator who felt dissatisfied with the formulation she was seeing turned into being one of the biggest names in the beauty business. In this episode, we discuss green technology, not having an ego when your name is on the bottle, how I, I don't even know where to begin with that one, having a hardball approach in business while also being boundaried and nice, why it's so important to not surround yourself with negative people, how Sunday herself feels about skincare and makeup as vital elements of self-care, why she feels very strongly that happiness is a choice and why it's so important before everything else to figure out what you stand for. She also answers some listener questions from the Facebook group. The link to join is in the show notes. And it's here that she addresses the reformulation of Good Jeans, which is perhaps the best known product among the entire Sunday Riley range. The reformulation wasn't born of choice, but of necessity. And I'll let her explain the whys and the wherefores. But I ask the question on everyone's lips. Will the reformulation of Good Jeans mean it's now only, yeah, it's okay, Jeans? Five minutes in, you'll know that that's not going to be the answer. But, you know, we have to ask the question, right? Oh, and another brilliant thing is she gave me some excellent intel about which Hollywood A-lister was staying just down the road. This was, in fact, as we recorded this, we were literally opposite Lady Gaga getting ready for her A Star Is Born premiere in London. But that's beside the point. The real star in the room was obviously Sunday. All the links will be in the show notes, which can be found wherever you are listening, streaming or downloading the show. And it's also where you'll find that subscribe button and where you can leave a five star review if you feel so inclined. And I'd be delighted if you did. I found this conversation incredibly empowering and I've actually listened to it a few times since I recorded it. And I hope you feel the same. So here she is making her debut on The Emma Gunn Show. It's Sunday Riley.
We're live with Sunday Riley. Hello. Hello. How are you? I am awesome because we've been catching up, meeting, catching up and chatting very easily. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for about an hour. (laughs) About everything. Yeah. So this is, and now we're going to... So now we're done. Yeah. Now we're done. (laughs) Goodbye. Thank you for your time. It's been real. It's been real. (laughs) Thanks for coming to the UK. But now we're going to talk about Sunday Riley, the brand. Mm -hmm. And um, there's been a lot of interest in the Facebook group, actually, for the podcast. So we are going to get to listen to questions, which is going to be terribly exciting. But I wondered, as this is your first trip to the Emma Gunn show, whether you could just introduce yourself and your brand. Sure, sure. Uh, well, my name is Sunday Riley, and um, I'm the the founder, the CEO, and the formulator for mm. our brand, which is um, which is great. And that's probably my my favorite piece is being the formulator, um, which means I have a lot of trial and error and trying to get things right. And um, it could take me hundreds of times to get it right, but um, that's that kind of like gives some excitement to my day. Mm. And I'm really happy to be here. So my my philosophy in formulation, which I guess is also part of the philosophy of the brand, is that. Um, I'm a big believer in, in you know, science-based ingredients. Mm-hmm. That's like a, that's a, yeah, I'm a big believer in science in general. <laughs> Very pro-science. Um, but I also believe that botanicals are amazing and they're great mm-hmm. for balancing your skin and balancing some of the effects that really active ingredients can have. So I always call it green technology, essentially. Yeah. Like, let's use technology, let's use science. Um, and then let's balance it with botanicals. So that's kind of the, the philosophy of the brand. I think it's very interesting that in the last few years, there's been this kind of democratization of skincare mm-hmm. and a lot more transparency. And it felt for a while as though you had to sit in one of two camps and one was science and one was right. the other. Yeah. And that's never been the standpoint of Sunday Riley, the person or the brand, is it? It's that actually they can live together and complement each other incredibly well. Yeah, I mean, it's like a lot of the... You know, a lot of the the brands of the products in the past that were, you know, kind of only science-based or only, you know, prescription or whatever, however you would have gotten them into your life, um, they could be great, but maybe they they didn't have great side effects. You know, maybe mm-hmm. your skin would peel or maybe you'd have whatever. Or you didn't look great or the texture mm-hmm. was bad. So they weren't, they weren't very elegant. They weren't whatever, but they had positive pieces to them. And then a lot of the all-natural botanical brands were amazing. They smelled good. They felt great to apply. Um, they were very hydrating, mm. but they didn't really do a lot for mm-hmm. your skin. That was like really transformational. So I think they're they're both amazing, amazing sides of a different camp. But you can actually marry them together and get yeah. the benefits of both, and um, without the without the drawbacks. And you know, I'm like I'm an instant results person. Like mm-hmm. I'm, a, I would say like I'm a now person. Like mm-hmm. if I'm, you know, I, I I want I want effects now. I don't want to wait. Um, for anything. I, you know, I go to the gym once I expect muscles. <laughs> These are my expectations. And yes, yes. <laughs> and in, and in exercise that might be unrealistic, mm. but in skincare, you actually can see results right away. Um, you know, it just depends on what you're looking for. Like if you have severe cystic acne, yeah, you're not going to have it done in mm. a day. Absolutely not. But you can have an improvement right away. So that's, that's what I kind of aim towards. I think it's interesting with something like cystic acne, mm-hmm. for example, that, um, I had terrible acne as a teenager and it was a, a hit and miss. It was a trial and error. And now it does feel, and I, I think it's brilliant, especially for, for teenage acne when it really gets your self-confidence, yeah. to be able, for a brand to be able to take you by the hand and you know that you're on a good path. You're not just trying something and then that might fail and you're onto the next thing that might not work and you're still going to have your acne. Yeah. And it's the same with lots of skin conditions. And was that one of the starting points of... Was it about formulations or mm-hmm. was it about skin and dealing with issues? Yeah, I think, um, 
you know, I think that I would say makeup is about putting something on, right? Mm-hmm. It's about like, you know, putting on this like beautiful face and like making yourself have beautiful eyelashes and like, I want to be confident. I'm going to put mm-hmm. red lipstick on or whatever. It's all about putting on this amazing facade, right? And it's great. It's a, it's a great ride. Mm-hmm. Skincare is the opposite. Skincare is about taking everything off. Mm-hmm. So it's about being kind of in a raw, vulnerable state and vulnerable mm-hmm. in your bathroom you know, by yourself and what do you really look like without anything else on and, and being okay with it. Mm. And, um, and we change over time, right? Like it's been be okay with where you're at. And so it's like, you know, time is going to continue on, right? We know we're going to age, mm-hmm. but we can age better. So it's like, how can we, how can we look good when we look in the mirror and how can we make positive transformations? So we, we don't have things like, how can we get, get rid of acne as best as possible? Mm-hmm. How can we, you know, diminish the signs of hyperpigmentation? How can we feel better about ourselves? So like, I would say like, I love the formulation side because I, I love mm-hmm. the, I'm a big puzzle person in general. So I like the idea of putting puzzles together, but I would say what really kind of inspires me on a daily basis though, are actually people's stories. So it's, it's being able to cause positive change in people's lives when they're in, you know, a vulnerable, raw, honest state with themselves in the mirror. And I think that's why there's a strong trust relationship with the brand. Mm. And it's because people trust that, um, that we tried and that mm-hmm. we're trying to give them something great and we're going to keep trying. And, you know, if I, you know, if people don't like a product, even if I spent a billion years trying to make it, and sometimes it feels like a billion years and whatever reason they, they don't like it doesn't resonate, I pull it from the market. You know, the products that we started with, there's only, you know, Good Jeans is the original one that's still there. Ceramic Slip and Juno came a little later. Everything else I've taken off the market because I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. And then I thought at one point, you know, I think I can do better than that. And so I would take it and take it down and put another product up there. And so it's just about making sure that, you know, I'm doing the best I can I can do for other people. Um, to quote you as well, to that very point, mm-hmm. I've heard that you've said before, I'm not sentimental. I only want the best available to people. And it's been called something of a a hardball approach but it sounds more like I just don't want to put crap out there. yeah yeah I think I think that's what it is I mean um you know I I probably have a sentimental side um in my personal life but when it comes to mm. to product I try not to have put my ego in it too much and I think that's kind of the downfall of humanity in general is mm. ego and um you know I put a lot of effort into it and sometimes it's you know a year you know spending a, a year in in our lab trying to get something done and so it's, it's really easy to be like, no, it's amazing. Trust me. <laughs> no, you love it. <laughs> or it's, it's, it's just you. Everyone else mm. loves it. But I think that, you know, when, when you have to look at it with, you know, real and honest eyes and mm. say, you know, is this still the best? Did technology change? Is there something better we can do now? Mm. And not be sentimental and think about like the time and the effort and, you know, put your ego down a little bit, like let it go for a walk around the block and say, no, this isn't right. Let's, <laughs> let's restart this one. Let's do it again. I do think it, um, as a as an observer, I think how how easy is it to detach one's ego when one's name is on the box? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, will, I think I, I kind of have like a a, a shtick I say, which is that you know I share a name with a brand, mm-hmm. but I see myself as different to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that 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 does help a little bit, and a lot of people don't realize that Sunday Riley is they think they, they think of it as a brand, I mean, hopefully, but they don't realize it as a person. I was telling a story earlier today that, and this ha- does happen to me from time to time, which kind of thrills me because it means that the brand is becoming a little bit more, you know, well-known. So that's great, but it's still kind of an odd moment. But people all the time, like I'll go to pay for something with my credit card and it says Sunday Riley on it or whatever. And they'll go, oh, Sunday, like that's a, that's an unusual name. You know, I've heard it once. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And they're like, yeah, there's a brand called Sunday Riley. And I'm like, is it? And it's like, on my, it's on my credit card. <laughs> and they're like, oh, that's cool you have the same name and I'm like yeah 
Yeah, that's cool. But they, they don't they don't put two and two together. You and know, you everyone's don't feel like you can go, that's me. No, no. I'm like, oh yeah, and by the way, that happens to be me. Yeah, no, no. But it's just like, you know, like, oh, but they don't they don't put two and two together. Or a lot of times people say, Oh, I didn't know that was a real person. I thought that was like a fake name because it mm-hmm. sounds very commercial. And so I just I'm gonna thank my dad for that. So like and you know, it, he did a good job. But yeah. Were you born on a Sunday? I was not born on a Sunday. That's the number one question. Yeah, sorry. I, no, no, no. I, I I like it. I was born on a Saturday. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I can say it was, yeah. It's a cool name. Yeah. I like it. I like it. What, um, do you get nicknamed? Do you get Sun, Sunny? No, no one. No one. Yeah. I don't. Sunday's yeah. kind of a. I don't know. Yeah. Like of it, same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> just a straight up Sunday. Right. Um, you also have, because I've wrote down some of your quotes because there are some really interesting things that you've said about the range and about creating it and about people's perceptions. Yeah. And I wanted to go through uh, some of those. So to that point, you said, when something has your name on it, it stands for who you are and you can't hide behind anything. Mm -hmm. Is that why you will cut things if it's not right? Just... Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I teach my kids, you know, um, if, if you put your name on a paper, like make sure it's the best paper you can write because it's your name. Mm. And, and you have to stand for something in your life, right? You mm. have to figure out what you stand for and you have to be that or at least endeavor to be that. And the same thing is true, you know, with, with having a brand with your name on it. Mm. Um, that wasn't my first choice. Um, I, we didn't, when I presented the brand originally, it was kind of an unnamed project. And the buyer at Barney's said that she would pick it up if it had my name on it because that was the trend whenever I I had to really think about it because it's like, imagine someone saying like, hey, you know, this is your dream job. Do you want it? And you're like, yeah. Mm-hmm. But the this the consequence or the kind of gotcha is that it has, you, you know, you'll have it for the rest of your life, mm-hmm. right? Because I thought if I have my name on this, um, you know, I, I don't think I'm going to want to sell my name. I mean, I don't mm. know, like whatever. I don't think I don't think I want to sell my name. I'm going to keep this, and so you There's keep also it. The legacy of brands. It with is the exact same issue. Yeah, and it's like, and so then you think about, it and you're like, mm. okay, this is my dream job, and I'm going to have it forever. And so I was like, well, let me think about it for a moment, and I thought about it for like two seconds, and said, yeah, let's do it. Um, but yeah, it, it does have my name on it, and whether or not people realize that's a real name, mm-hmm. I know it is. And um, and I have to stand, like I said, I have to stand for something. I think that's interesting. You said. Uh, before that, um, you have to figure out what you stand for. Yeah. Do you have any, we've talked a lot about that sort of thing, about personal development, about setting boundaries on this show as well, aside from beauty and skincare. Do you have any tips for how you do that? Yeah, I mean, we were talking earlier. I'll talk about my theory on the past. If mm. that's, <laughs> yeah. I have I have a very strong theory, and that's that I stand in the present and I walk towards the future, and I never go in the past. Like I would say, like that's where ghosts live. That's that's where other things live. Mm-hmm. And you know, we we've got to you know, I I don't go backwards because I don't always like the situations that I was in. Mm-hmm. I don't like the choices that I made all the time. That's why you know I've evolved into where I'm at, and I say you know how who can I be in the mm-hmm. future, and I don't go back to painful things. And so I think that's uh, keeping myself in a positive mental state is actually really important. I have a, a lot of stress in my life and that's actually one of the things that, that keeps me afloat is I don't, mm. I don't sit in a lot of pain. Do you know what I mean? I just, mm. I keep moving forward. That's, that's a big philosophy for me. And I, I try to do little things that kind of give me a little bit of balance. I don't have mm. seven hours for yoga. I, I would love to. Um, <laughs> I do, I do a breathing app. <laughs> that's, Amazing. that's been really helpful for mm. me. I really like it. Um, but you know, just little, little things like that. But it's, you know, as, as far as what I stand for, you know, I, I, um, I kind of evolved to a place in my life where I, I don't put up with a lot anymore. Mm. I'm, I'm honest. I remember my grandmother telling me when I was a kid, she'd be like, you know, just ask for what you want. 
right? And I, I never did. Like, that was my thing. I didn't I ask for what I wanted. <laughs> I asked for, you know, I'd beat around the bush, like, hey, if you don't mind, or what do you think? Or mm. I'd kind of like wait for people to offer me what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And then they never did, right? And so you're just kind of sitting there, not getting anything and not getting anywhere. And then finally one day I was like, you know, I'm just going to try it. I'm just going to ask for what I want. And she mm. would say, look, it costs you nothing. And that's not always true. Sometimes asking for what you want costs you a lot, but mm-hmm. <laughs> little, little, but you know what? I will tell you, it bought me a lot more than it cost me. Yeah. So I would say, you know, what do you want in life? Just, just, I clearly identify it and just ask for it. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever that means. Like if you're asking the universe, if you're asking, however you ask, mm-hmm. but you just gotta, you gotta go for it. Well, you don't know, you won't get something unless you crystallize what it is. I Absolutely. I've spoken Absolutely. on this podcast about that before with many, many guests about the fact of, Unless until you know what something looks like, you can't plot your course back to then to figure out how to get it. it. Yeah, and how yeah. to get towards it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really not it's not enough to say like I want like this positive future. It's like, well, what does positive mean to you? Mm. Like, how would you know it was that you were there once mm-hmm. you got there? Mm. So you have to say like, what does it mean? What are the markers? Okay, this is how I would know. Yeah. These are five ways that I would know that I'm that I'm happy. Well, then you could start working towards them. Mm-hmm. Do you, I know a lot of people who are successful, who have their own businesses, Mm -hmm. who get the criticism, you're too hard on yourself or you need to take a break. Yeah. Do you have to work? Do you have to work with that? Do you consciously give yourself a break? Do you consciously go, actually, I set myself that goal and I've achieved it and I will congratulate myself with jewellery? (laughs) <laughs> or I, I don't know a cheese sandwich yeah yeah, yeah. I, sandwich. I love a cheese sandwich <laughs> I do um you know I I do get that um I work a lot mm. and I do get that it's like when people will say to me yeah but I wouldn't want that um that comes it, it, this is the big cost for you yeah but I will tell you I'm actually motivated by working so mm-hmm. I would say like that I, that's a driver for me so a driver for me is I, I love balance and balance is not necessarily my driver mm-hmm. my driver is achievement so I, I do love achieving things. So working is just, it helps me to continue on that path. I mm. like it. Um, but, you know, with that being said, you still have to be a human being, mm. right? And so I, I do, you know, I, like I said, when I do hear kind of criticism about that, I do try to internalize and say, um, you know, what could I be doing better? I will tell you this, to me, the concept of balance is kind of an illusion, right? Mm-hmm. We've all got these spinning plates at all times and you're <laughs> all times and you're just trying to like pay attention to the plate that needs you the most and trying to trying to give yourself where you can provide the most value mm-hmm. and the most meaning. So I'm like sometimes I'm like, hey, that's my family right now. I need to be home right now. Mm-hmm. They need me. Um, hey, I need to be at work. This person didn't finish their job. The entire team is waiting on it. I really wish they had done it, but that's my job. My job is to be the fill-in person and I will be there until mm-hmm. midnight getting it done. So it's just where do you have to be at that time? Yeah. Yeah. But, hey, you know, like whatever. <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. yeah my um, oldest friend that I was telling you about, the yeah. school friend, I was on the phone with her the other day. And um, she said, oh, people have been asking how you are. And I just tell them the same thing every time. She's out there hustling. And I was yeah. so happy. I was like, oh, she gets it, me. It felt good. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny you say that because when I met my husband, actually, um, we, we met at, we actually met in a meeting and then we met at an event like two nights later. And um he said to me, and I, you know, I always remind him of this because I'm like, you, you liked me. He's like, I really did. And I'm like, yes, you did. <laughs> yes, you did. You caught me in line at the bar and you came to me and you said, um, he said, you know, um, do you know why, why I like you? And I said, no. And, but, and then said, I was like, he likes me. <laughs> he just said it. But he was like, because uh, when I looked at you, I recognized you as a hustler. And he's like, and I, he's like, and I, I saw you for who you were. And I thought, 
that was, I loved it. I yeah. love that. Cause like, that's, that's my whole life, right? Mm. It's like, how can I make something out of nothing? So the fact that someone said that to me, I thought was so charming and so amazing. And there you have it. Now we have four kids, <laughs> but yeah, but it was great. I love that. That's actually a real, that would be a line that would get me as well. It did. Yeah. And it was, it wasn't said in like an arrogant way or it was just said like kind of in an honest way. Cause what mm. I actually learned about him later on is he's a little shy. Mm. He was just being really honest. Like that's what he saw. Because he's he's completely unfiltered, um, yeah. I love that. Kind of like a shy Larry David. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There are many a day when I call him LD. I'm like, hey, <laughs> rein that back. <laughs> you can't say that out loud. Oh my god. Oh my god. I love it. Okay. I'm going to go into another quote that you sure. gave, uh, which is, I want to give people the ability to change and take control of their skin. It does, after all, affect how they feel about themselves. And then you've also talked at some points about low self-esteem. And that seems like a really um, honourable pillar to the brand, but also makes me really understand when I was reading about you cutting products from the line or reformulating. It makes me really understand it because if you're that's a real emotional pull mm -hmm. into the person who's using your products. Yeah. You understand it's not just about, we'll get into this later, but the Sunday Riley products look amazing in one's bathroom, but it's about their performance. And it seems like you have a real emotional, um, you're tethered very emotionally to what each individual's experience will be. Yeah. Yeah, I am. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's part of the meaning of my life to me. Mm -hmm. it's, it's something that provides great meaning to me. And so, you know, when, when I, when people come up to me, you know, if I, if I'm ever at some sort of like, you know, speaking engagement or something and they come up and they say, you know, this product changed my life. And then they'll pull out their phone and show me pictures before and after. And it's, you know, usually like before mm -hmm. and after it's really highly visible if you have acne or something mm -hmm. like that, you see a huge change or like some sort of like rosacea, you'll see a huge change. But, um, you know, it's very, it's very moving and very humbling mm -hmm. and you almost kind of don't know what to say because they're having this very emotional moment and you know that you were a part of it. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, but it's hard to sometimes find something that kind of honors that moment without just saying, I'm so glad for you. I'm so glad, you know, you just kind of say it and you're just kind of, mm -hmm. but on the inside, it's, it's a little bit more moving than that, but I, I don't always know how to, how to address it. So I just kind of smile and give them a hug and, you know, we talk, I know, <laughs> but it, it is, it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's a great, it's a meaningful job. Yeah. I like it. Um, I listened to an interview with Cheryl Strayed, I think it was, yeah. um, with Tim Ferriss, who we've also been talking about before we hit record. Yeah. Um, and he asked her, how do you, how do you, uh, manage when people are saying you wrote a book or you shared experiences that, I have had and it changed my life yeah. and it meant so much to me and I'm really paraphrasing here yeah. and it really struck a chord and obviously Tim was asking it because he must get that a lot yeah. and he clearly has um, perhaps not struggled with navigating it but doesn't quite know the best way because there yeah, was, there's you, no blueprint yeah, yeah. and she said that originally when people started reading her books like she would meet them for a coffee if she got like a DM yeah. on a social media platform and then after a while, as things got bigger, she realized that the best thing she could give them is the work is that she's already given them. Mm -hmm. And then the rest is kind of out of her control. Yeah. So I wonder whether um, the best thing you can yeah. give them is the products. Yeah. Is what I'm getting around yeah, to. No, I, yeah. No. I, yeah. Maybe so. Yeah. Because you want to, you want to, yeah, it's, it's very moving and it's mm. just like, and you, you kind of want to continue to give more because they're sharing something that this was meaningful to me. This was, this was my experience. This is the way I felt about myself. This is the way I now feel about myself. Mm. And you kind of want to like, you know, it, it's just kind of, 
overwhelming. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, there's a physical in a, trans- in a positive way, yeah. but it's overwhelming. There's a physical transformation, but there's the emotional and the mental one. Yeah. And that's obviously, listeners, what you can't see is that there is some cheering up during yeah, yeah. when you were talking, and that obviously really, you that's very profound for you. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, do you get lots of mail? Do you get lots of letters and emails and things from people? Um, no, I, well, I don't get letters because I don't give out my address. Cause <laughs> <laughs> I'm also insanely private. Um, but I do get emails mm-hmm. and, um, it's actually a lot of, um, in-person things. Like if I'm, like I said, if I'm at an event or something, mm-hmm. people come up or they will, um, we have a field sales team. And so they'll come up to them if they're out and they'll be like, Hey, can you share this with Sunday? I really you know, would love to. And then, so then they'll, they'll write a really long letter and then that'll make its way to me always a hundred percent of the time or mm-hmm. customer service stuff. Or like, can you please share this? They are that always 100% of the time gets shared with me. And, um, yeah, it's just one of those things where I kind of like set aside a moment. Uh, cause I, you know, if you read it when, you know, everyone's bustling around you, it's, it's yeah. kind of hard to give it the respect it deserves. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do get it. And I, yeah, I, and I like it. It makes me feel like I'm on the right path. Mm. So, and there's definitely this, um, the beauty pages of magazines, for example, that's my background. They used to be very separate from maybe the fitness and wellness pages, but now they are very much hand in hand. And you've said also, it really is becoming a huge part of self-care. Yeah. And I think skincare and makeup are fundamental now to, they always have yeah. been, but it's more profound, the impact of yeah. looking after your skin and putting yeah. makeup on. It, I mean, it's, it's part of your external presentation, right? Mm. Um, and you know, in skincare, we know is is part. It deals with your skin, which mm-hmm. is like your largest organ. Yeah. And um, and and makeup is how you present yourself to the world, and it's also kind of part of your mental well being. You know, how do you feel about yourself when you look in the mirror? That's critical to wellness. Mm-hmm. That's critical to self care. You know, when I look in the mirror, am I happy with what I see? You know, am I joyful or am I concerned about something? Am I consumed with self doubt? You know, mm-hmm. that's so. I, I think skincare and makeup are a critical part of self care and of wellness. And I love the fact that you also don't believe in. Film. No, <laughs> no. Or face tuning. Yeah, or no, I don't. Of, <laughs> also because I'm pretty sure I'd look like a lunatic <laughs> if I did it. But yeah, but no, no, I, I don't believe in it. Like, I mean, I've, I was just joking with you earlier. I've always got dark circles under my eyes. I, you know, first of all, it's genetic. It's how I look. It just mm-hmm. is what it is, right? Um, though I will tell you one time I was in France and someone said, oh, in France, we love it. And I was like, maybe one day I'll move to France. (laughs) Not so popular in the U S but maybe I'll move to France. Yeah. Paris, Texas, not the same, not the same. (laughs) I'll just walk around with a baguette and pretend, but, um, you know, at some point you are who you are, right? Like, you know, I'm kind of over also the phase of like being too critical of myself. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like, do I have, you know, you know, 5 billion strands of hair? No, my hair is kind of fine and thin. It is what it is that's it. And I'm happy with it. Let's just move on. You know, I'm kind of like, I'm over the the critical phase. (laughs) It's like, you got to move on. Yes. Did, was there a moment when you were like, I, do you know what I am, who I am? I have to accept it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I think we were talking earlier, like Mm. there's times in my twenties where I wouldn't go back for all the tea in China, Mm. you know, maybe for some, like maybe, (laughs) maybe there is a compromise there, but no, but seriously, because I, you know, I compromised a lot or I tried to be something I wasn't, or I tried to aspire to things that, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe weren't in my wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. And you try and, you know, you, you, you know, you're a square peg in a round hole and you're like, maybe I can be round. Maybe I can be round. Maybe I can be round. Mm. You're not round, Mm -hmm. you know? So what you need to look for is, you know, your square peg, your square peg hole. And, um, but yeah, I think that, you know, finally, uh, you know, at one point you realize this is what's holding me back in life. Mm. You know, it's, it's not everything else. It's me, Mm. you know, it's the way, you know, I'm trying to be someone I'm not, and it's just not going to work. And, uh, that's it. 
you know, and that's it. You know, I always say I've always got a few extra pounds on me. It is what it is. You know, like it is what it is. I aspire to be healthy, but you know what? I'm going to eat that dessert if I want it. <laughs> you know what? I just came from France. I, you know, drank the wine. I had a great time. I ate my bread basket it is what it is. How sad you if know? you hadn't. I know. I know. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm sure. I don't know if any listeners can identify with this, but I'm in that place where I, I'm getting better at accepting. Yeah. But then for every day that I'm like, do you know what, Emma? You are who you are. Yeah. Just love it. There'll be the next day when I think, but if you just got into those those genes that you haven't been able to get into yeah. for a while, life would be so much better. Yeah, and it's that, and I think that dialogue goes on in women's heads. It it, men's heads it, it, it does. It, it's, yeah, I mean, look, I still have all my like you know tiny pants in my closet that I'm like one day I'll fit into those pants. You know, like it is. Yeah, it, yeah. we'll see, we'll see. Um, but I guess I guess what I try to what I mean by that is is yeah, I have the same dialogue. Mm-hmm. Like you know, how can I be better? Or like how can I be thinner? How can I be? We, I I have that dialogue. I'll probably have it the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. But one of my friends who's actually very successful, he made a comment to me that I I thought about, and it's kind of I'm like yeah yeah. But you know, he always asks me how are you doing, and I and I always say I'm always good. That's my line. I'm always good. Because like I said, I don't, I, I don't live in pain, right? I, like, I'm always good. It's, and he mm-hmm. said, you know, he said, you're the person that taught me that happiness is a choice. And <gasps> I was like, well, what do you mean? Because I didn't even know that. <laughs> I didn't even know that's what I believed in until he said yeah. that. And he said, yeah, he's like, you know, I've, I've you know, watched you, like, you know, go through different things and whatever. And he's like, and you say, I'm always good. And uh, yeah, I was like, yeah, I was like, I, I, I didn't think about that. But I, once, once I did think about it from that perspective, yeah, that I, I do believe it's a choice, you know, like, yeah, I've got a great pair of pants in my closet that are amazing with a tuxedo stripe. And if I was 10 pounds thinner, I could wear them. And I'm telling you, I look amazing in that distant future. I do. Those pants are amazing, but I'm happy today. You know, I'm happy today. Yeah, maybe I'll work towards those pants, whatever. We'll mm. see. We'll see what the future holds. But happiness is a choice. Yeah. You know, I'm happy today. It's very interesting. Um, former guest on this podcast, Jules von Hepp, I was talking to him the other day and I said, how are you doing? He went, I'm fucking great. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, and he said, what can you say to that? Yeah. What can you say to that? Mm-hmm. I am. And if I say it, I am it. And I yeah. just thought that was brilliant. So yeah. Now, anyone says, how are you? I'm like, I'm awesome. I'm amazing. <laughs> Obviously. It's probably a little bit too, yeah. too aggressive. But it's that thing yeah. of, because how many times in my life, and I try not to do it now, has somebody said, how are you? And you're like, I'm fine, Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's very easy. Um, It's a great conversation starter as well to come from a place of, well, me, 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 moan, moan, moan. Mm -hmm. Because misery loves company and it's very yeah if somebody tells me that they're having a crappy day I will immediately come up with all the like what what, try this have you thought about this maybe go and see a film maybe go and go clothes shopping or speak to a friend and it it generates dialogue but actually if you just go I'm awesome yeah it's like that should just be the starting point yeah yeah and you just go up from there yeah I'm always good always good yeah always good that's that's a great thing for someone to reflect back at you yeah, I, I was I was <laughs> was happy to hear that he said that. Um, so that's also, also, I guess, part of my philosophy. But it's also an indicator that you're surrounding yourself with the right people, or you're attracting the right people. Today I am. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> and that's also a choice, right? Yeah. So I actually make a make a conscious decision to no longer surround myself with negative people. Um, under any circumstances, mm. like the minute that I, I perceive that someone is a negative force in my life, that's it. Like that's it. I'm done. Uh, yeah. It's it's only about surrounding myself with the right people. I think those are part of the tools of success. Yeah. You, know, you can't, you, you're, you're as good as the company you keep. Yes. And 
this is now the second time that I've mentioned Tim, so I can tell that we're going to come back to him a few times in this episode. But Tim uh, Ferris says that you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with, or something. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's so true. Yeah. So true. It is. So think about think about who those people are. Yeah. And think about their impact on you. You know, like I, I have seen so many friends where our coworkers, and I know that they are surrounding themselves with negative people. And I watch them spiral down and kind of crumble in front of my eyes or, or suddenly take on a negative mindset, um, questioning everything, you know, everything that they're doing. And it's just like, you were so happy, you know, one year ago and today you're in despair. It is, it is the people you surround yourself with. They're mm-hmm. fundamentally affecting your psychology. They're fundamentally affecting the way you think. Um, but you know, it's like, it's hard for people to see it, but mm-hmm. you know, and then you start realizing, well, who am I surrounding myself with? You know, yeah. and like better make sure that they're that type of people that I want to be. It's a very, very good point. I love that we've talked about Tim Ferriss so much. Yeah. <laughs> um, partly because he has just moved to Texas and obviously... There you go, yeah. You are as... Uh, We're basically f- neighbors. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. Although Texas yeah. is the biggest state. Yeah. But um, the first, uh, if you Google you, yeah. the first thing that comes up is Texan entrepreneur. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take so it. So there you go. You said something amazing about um, this blending of science-based active ingredients with botanicals mm-hmm. and the whole green technology thing. And you said we're a Tesla, not a bicycle. Yeah. And I'd really like you to unpack that for me. <laughs> I yeah, love it. yeah, yeah. I mean, I think like a lot of times whenever, particularly in the beginning, people have this idea of like natural and green as being like this, you know, ultra like nurturing comfort based concept. Doing Ding dong. Yeah. <laughs> this, yeah. We'll carry on. Yeah, the yeah. doorbell's gone, listeners. The, uh, this, uh, you know, ultra comforting, you know, nurturing thing, like a cashmere blanket, you know, mm-hmm. and that's how people were really approaching, um, you know, skincare and, and body care and stuff like that. And, you know, my thought is, is, you know, that's great. And that certainly is a type of natural. And that's like riding a bicycle to get where you want, right? Mm-hmm. You want to transform your skin, ride a bike. It's 500 miles. Best of luck on your way. That's <laughs> like best of luck on your endeavors. Or... You can be natural and be like a Tesla. You know, it's energy efficient, it's fast, and you're going to get there, and you're going to get there in style. So it's like, how can you combine technology with something that's natural so you can actually achieve Mm. something, so you can drive, you know, 500 miles. Actually, you have to recharge once in a Tesla, but you get the idea. (laughs) Yeah, I get the idea. I've never driven a Tesla, but there there was one outside earlier, and I was like, hmm. I don't know if you saw it. Sorry, there are other people in the room. Um, There was a Tesla outside, and I admired it um, longingly. Um, I have in the past thought, does science-based, do science-based ingredients, actives, get diluted by botanicals? Mm -hmm. Um, And if I've thought it, I think there might be listeners who have thought the same potentially. What's the answer? Um, I think, no, not necessarily, and Mm -hmm. this is why. So, like, let's, you know, let's use an example. Let's use, like, you know, traditional retinol. That can only be used, you know, up to a maximum percentage. So, or, you know, acids, that can only be used. I mean, I guess you could make it 100%, but it'll burn all your skin off. So, let's say that your active ingredients comprise maybe, like, 20% of your product or 30% of your product. These are your active ingredients. That means you have 70% of your product or 80%, depending on what that looks like, to be your base, Mm -hmm. right? And so that's a great spot for your botanicals to live mm-hmm. because they tend to be water-based. Botanicals, the extracts tend to be water-based. I mean, every once in a while you'll find one that's oil-based, mm-hmm. but they tend to be water-based so they can fit into the water phase of your formulation. So all of your formulations always have a water phase, an oil phase, which can also be a silicon phase, and mm-hmm. then 
you combine them together and sometimes they have other phases that you add at the end. But you know, your water phase is usually, usually your biggest phase. So that's where you can put in a lot of great botanical ingredients into that area and is, it can hold it in there. Is that why on a lot of inky lists the first ingredient is aqua? Yes, yes, right. and that because that's the number one ingredient usually in a product. Um, so basically when you put in botanicals, if they're water-based botanicals, you just subtract from the amount of water in the formula, which had to be in there no matter what. Mm. I mean, that you know, unless it's an oil, you know, product. So it doesn't take away from the actives because the actives can only take up so much. I mean, you can't, you know, 100% vitamin C, you know, is <laughs> like if it's L-ascorbic acid, is like a powder. What do you you gotta rub it on your face? I mean, mm -hmm. like you have to kind of you have to put them into a solution. You have to mm -hmm. do something. You don't have to, but you know. That's well, the idea. If you are looking at Inculus, for example, and you are looking to use a particular active ingredient, it doesn't have to be at the top of mm -hmm. that Inculus in order to be effective. Uh, well, abs absolutely. And that's 100% right. And I think mm -hmm. there's a misconception. The Inculus is not, you know, by, by order of importance, you know. Um, the inky list is by order of, of addition into the product. So some ingredients you, you just would never put, like, you know, turmeric. You're not going to put turmeric in, which is, like, bright, bright yellow and would stain your skin. You're not going to put that at 98%. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to put that at a couple of percentage points. You're going to have strong effects on, you know, topical effects, you know, hopefully. Mm -hmm. um, but you, uh, if, if you put it at 100%, you, 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 your skin would be stained. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. you just have to kind of, kind of think about it like that. Or, you know, retinoids, you can only put them at so high before it would just, you know, your skin would be peeling off. Mm -hmm. Or acids, you're not going to put 80% acid on your face. Mm -hmm. Just a few percentage points is going to be enough to give you real transformation to your skin. Um, I think the, the struggle with people have is transparency. Mm -hmm. And so we all know that. So that, that, you know, the list is not an order of importance. It's an order that in some things, the, the sweet spot for that ingredient is maybe sometimes even 0.1%. There are things that are so strong mm -hmm. that just the smallest addition has profound effects, right? Mm -hmm. Up to like whatever. But um, the, the problem is, is that what we don't have to be transparent about really is where we got the ingredients the purity of the ingredients, the quality of the supplier, the cost of the raw materials. And we've had people that have come to our brand who have been at other major brands, and they they believe that they understand our cost of goods because they're like, oh, yeah, I worked with a competing brand or something like that. Yeah, I know how much a moisturizer cost of goods are. Mm -hmm. And they are 100% of the time shocked by our cost of goods because they're really, really high. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a jar is a jar is a jar, right? Jars are going to be the same amount. It's not the packaging that we do spend a lot of money on the packaging. Mm -hmm. um, like on special finishes and stuff, but it, it's it's the ingredients. Mm. It's incredibly expensive. And, you know, it's like, what are you going to do? Like the vitamin C that we use, for instance, I mean, we know that, that we're using right now is um, tetrahexyl desyl ascorbate, which is a lipid-soluble, oil-soluble form of vitamin C. It's a quasi-drug in Japan. It's a quasi-drug in Korea. Um, it's, it's a great ingredient. It's, you know, it's, it's just, it's advanced, it's innovative, mm -hmm. and it is a billion times more expensive than L-ascorbic acid. Mm -hmm. It is so much more expensive. So, you know, when we go to make a vitamin C serum, it, it kind of, it's painful. <laughs> you know, every time, every time we go to buy, it's funny because our production team, when they have to go put in a purchase order to buy our vitamin C or to buy our retinoids or something, they always like, this one girl sits next to me. She's like, I always wince when I give the purchase <laughs> orders to our accounting team. Cause they're like, are you kidding? me it's like it's a lot of money but yeah that's, that's what goes into and there's no transparency of that really mm -hmm. we can talk about that from our perspective but the truth is is that when you talk about vitamin c you know we're all putting the same copy on the box right we're all talking about the benefits of vitamin c mm -hmm. but not all vitamin c is created equal not all as a person with a very deep voice i'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns 
But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Formulas are created equal. Not all. So it's like, you know, maybe one brand paid, same ingredient paid a ton for it because they got it from like this amazing supplier. Another person got maybe substandard ingredients, paid mm-hmm. a fraction. You know, it's like, you know, that, and, and that's, that's where, you know, I, I do like to kind of, you know, shed a little bit of light on that. And I think that's one of the reasons why our products work too. Mm. It's not just, oh, you know, look, I'm able to put these things together. It's, it's quality of ingredients. And I think that's a concept of clean that people don't get. I think people think right now there's a lot of like clean means no this or no this mm-hmm. or no this. And these no lists are, are great. There's a lot of misinformation about the no list. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the truth is, is that it also has to do with, you know, the, the quality of the ingredient. Because you can say, we, we formulate without parabens, which, you know, we don't use parabens, but you can, you know, we formulate without parabens. That's great. And what is the quality of every other thing that you put in there? You know, where are you manufacturing it? Um, what is the quality of your water that you're using? What is mm-hmm. the quality, you know, where, what factory are your bottles made in? Like, what, what is, what is, what are you, because, you know, those bottles arrive, you have to put product in it. Mm-hmm. You know, think about it. Like, you know, what, it's just, th- those aren't the part that we're talking about as much. And then, whatever, maybe that'll change. Yeah, because you've, you've said also previously, I'm not into aspirational luxury. Mm-hmm. We're just selling something that works. That's yeah. the goal. Yeah. And it does have a higher price point. It absolutely does. Mm. It absolutely does. So, you know, I've seen some things that are really, really, really cheap, and um, but they claim really high levels of active ingredients mm-hmm. that I know are expensive. Um, but the overall price point is cheap, and I have no idea how they're doing it. Um, so I, you know, like any consumer, because mm-hmm. that's what I am when it comes to that, I think, I don't know. I'm skeptical. So it, it's, it, you know, it's expensive to make a high-quality product. I have spoken to quite a few brand owners who just who are friends, mm-hmm. kind of off the record. I'm sure they'd say it on tape yeah. as well. Who look at the fact that you can now get certain actives at very affordable prices, and they are producing yeah. in the same way that you are brands that have those ingredients, but high quality ingredients. And they do just say it's great, but you have to understand what we do mm-hmm. is different. Yeah, and you can't put them all in the same box and say you get the same effects. Yeah, at a tenth of the price. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like, you know, it's like, um, it, what's interesting is so we, I, I won't, <laughs> I won't name brands, <laughs> but we will get people who will come to us. I'll just say from, from maybe lesser expensive brands that make similar claims mm-hmm. and, but they're, they're really, really, really inexpensive. Mm-hmm. And one thing I'll say is I kind of like it cause those brands teach them to like, you know, to, 
to like product and mm-hmm. teach them to like like skincare and to research it. And then it's and understanding there is, what yeah, an and it, it kind of teaches yeah. them, yeah, yeah. And it's you know it's an affordable price point to to enter into to say this is for you. Do you like skincare? Do you mm-hmm. like whatever? And then they'll say, and then we graduated on. So like so it's kind mm-hmm. of like we didn't have to teach about those ingredients because they went <laughs> ahead and like did. It. Yeah. So that's great. But then they'll graduate on. And I think the difference is was you know what are your effects? What can you see in your skin? Mm-hmm. And that really shows the the quality of the ingredient. If you if you you know. It's just, now I would say, like, the, the product will stand for itself, mm. right? If you're using something and you're not seeing any difference mm-hmm. over a period of, what, six weeks yeah. to three months, then... Yeah, maybe it's not there. You know, if you're seeing a little bit of difference, but, you know, you see it, you know, can you see more? Mm-hmm. And that's what I would say. Like, you know, it's like you, you kind of you kind of get what you pay for. And with that being said, like, you know, don't pay $700. It, nothing it should be $700. Mm-hmm. And we we always look for ways to reduce our pricing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when we started out, we started out during a recession. And we started out at a very high-end luxury department store. And they wanted to set our prices really, really, really high. And I wasn't on the, I wasn't really on board with that. So we came in and they, what we finally agreed on was that we want that, that the, our face cream would be $125. Now, $125 from my perspective is so expensive. Mm-hmm. That is so expensive for a face cream, but it was a very high end luxury department store and they considered that to be the cheapest brand on the floor. So we actually struggled making sales because the the other salespeople wouldn't want to sell our product because they do commission and getting commission on 125 is less than getting commission on 500 mm. and they would say and they literally I have so many emails saying like can you make a $750 neck cream we could sell out the, you know we could sell it to anyone walking in and then think about how much you'd make because you know all these people would be selling mm. it the whole floor would be selling it and I was like, well, we could, yeah, we could make a $750 net cream, but it's not worth it. Mm. That's, that's outrageous. And then yes, and we would make sales, but how many, you know, like we would be very limited and we would mm. lose our trust factor. So we've, what we've tried to do is we've tried to reduce our prices. So our, our cream was 125. Um, as time went on, I was like, we're not going to do this anymore. And so um, we dropped all of our expensive counters that we had in these high end luxury stores. We, we re- retained two out of the ones that were there. And, um, you know, we went into alternate retailers and we reduced our prices and now our creams are $65. Um, actually, sorry, when Bionic launched, it was $225, excuse me. I reduced it $100 to $125. Mm-hmm. And then I said, this is outrageous and reduced everything to $65. So I remember kind of giving an interview on that. And this person said, you know, you started off with your, you know, your anti-aging cream at $225 and now your moisturizers are $65. You know, what are you thinking? And I was like, I'm, I'm thinking that I should never have agreed to that that it was the wrong thing to do mm-hmm. and that it's outrageous and it's going to destroy the brand and it doesn't, it's not what I believe in and we're not going to do it. And we're going to make an effort to continue to reduce our prices and continue to move forward. We just reduced the price of Juno. Um, so, you know, that was another thing that we reduced and we're going mm-hmm. to continue to, to continue to pass those prices down. So when Juno launched, it was 125. The formula's never changed. The, we, it's all cold pressed, all small batch. We use the same manufacturing facility. Um, so it was 125, then we reduced it to 90, now we reduced it to 72. So we're going to continue to bring those prices down and, you know, it is what it is. You know? It's two things. It comes back to what you said right at the beginning of the podcast, which is you have to know what you stand for. But then the other question would be what you've described, although it's great for the consumer, um, <laughs> it, would, it would sound like bad business to keep cutting your prices. Yeah, um, but at some point you make up for it in volume, right? Mm. Because the, you know, we, the, the ingredients cost a lot, the products cost us a lot. Mm. And then we only get a fraction of the percentage because the retailers actually make more from our products than we do, mm-hmm. which I think is also people don't realize. So the retailers are making more than, than we are. Um, 
and you know, it's one thing if they've got retail stores and they've got lights and employees they're paying for, but if it's like a digital landscape, then mm. you know, and I mean, maybe sometimes it's 50-50, but it's that that's amazing if you can break cut that deal. Um, so we we make a fraction of it, and then we have the cost of goods that we have to account for. Mm. But um, so we make less off of every product when we when we do make an effort to make our products more and more affordable while still not compromising quality at mm. all. And as a matter of fact. I endeavor to increase our quality, always find better suppliers, always find you know, new ingredients, and that's really expensive. Mm. But you make up for in volume. So mm. you, you build trust with your audience. Uh, your clients go out and they have word of mouth, and then more people try it because they can. Af- more people can afford to try it because you know sixty five dollars, which is still very expensive, mm. is a lot more reasonable than two twenty five. Mm. You know, two twenty five. That's a very small percentage that can actually can afford that and would want to. Mm. So, you know, hopefully we make it up like that, and we've we've grown. So I, I you know, yeah. fingers crossed, it's working. Yeah. And you talk about word of mouth. The way that the brand exploded was by putting it into the hands of influencers and mm-hmm. really capitalizing on social media. Yeah. At a time before. Going viral was a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that I mean, was smart. Yeah, well, you know, it, it was our only choice because we didn't have any marketing <laughs> dollars. <laughs> so I was like, what can we do? So we gave product away for free because we couldn't afford ads. Um, and then the product spoke for themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why the brand, you know, it's been around for 10 years. So next year will be our 10th year. Yeah. But it really had a slow rise because, like I said, we didn't have a lot of money to put into marketing at all. Mm-hmm. And we really just would give product to people to try it. And then we had to, you know, rely upon clients you know, you know, telling their friends about it and then them telling their friends and using social media as a platform to spread it. So because it was word of mouth, it really did kind of take a while for it to, to, to grow. Mm. Um, but once it did, we had this huge client base that were very vocal and very enthusiastic. And so that's been, that's always been our kind of, you know, our bread and butter is our, mm. is our client base. That's why there's, like I said, this strong trust relationship yeah. because we need them, they need us. It's a, it's a, it's a mutual relationship. Mm. I want to, go back to before we go on to listen to questions I want to go back to you mentioned silicone and mm-hmm. I do have on my notes where mm-hmm. do you stand on that because it seems to suddenly be controversial mm-hmm. I keep seeing people saying no I'm for it and others saying no take it out of everything yeah how do you feel about silicone yeah, it's funny. Um, I was just asked if I would give a give a statement on it, um, oh. but yeah, no, in a, in a different capacity at this um, for this clean movement and. Um, to, to make a statement on being pro-silicone. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's one of those things that there's a lot of misunderstanding on. And I, I understand. Like, I've been on different sides of that same argument myself, right? Um, but fundamentally, I think, you know, silicone is is inert. It's in a lot of, you know, it's like in your, you know, hip replacements. It's in, it's, there's a reason why. And even the FDA recognizes certain qualities of silicone as a skin protectant and the mm-hmm. same quality, you know, category as, you know, things that you, you, you perceive as being healing ingredients. Mm-hmm. So I think silicone can be great. Um, I think silicone can be a cheating way to make a formula though. Ah. So I think it depends. So like, you know, when you try a formula and you put it on your hand and it's kind of like greasy and slippery mm-hmm. and whatever, and it's like, that's like, if it's like a high silicone formula that doesn't have a really good skin feel and whatever, you kind of put it on, you're like, this doesn't feel like it's doing anything. Things mm. feel like everything's sliding off of me. And then when you put your, maybe your active creams on top of it, if, if the product wasn't formulated well, nothing's going to kind of break through that. Mm. So you might not have those actives penetrate. Um, on the other hand, silicone, one thing that does really well is, and I, I'm, I'm for it. I'm for it. I'm for silicone. Mm. If it's the right grade of silicone, it's a high quality supplier and it's used in a formula in the right way. 
So, and then it, it just has a, you know, it, it can contribute to a great luxury feeling. I'm not talking about greasy, slippery mm. feeling, but also it, because it does provide a nice, if you use great, a nice breathable, you know, more, layer on your skin, mm-hmm. it does keep things in your skin. Mm-hmm. So they are not leaving your skin throughout the night or throughout the day. Um, and I think that's, that's helpful. Mm. So it does kind of, I would say like it helps things infuse into your skin without them leaving. Is it the only thing that can do that? No. Um, but is it a great tool? Yes. Is it amazing for people that are, you know, if you look at people have like severe irritation, they'll put a lot of silicone types of things on their skin because it does create a really nice barrier for them. Mm. Um, that's my thought. We do seem to be doing this thing where, um, an ingredient is demonized. Yeah. And then yeah. what do you think the next one will be? Oh, uh, yeah, well, and there's a lot of demonizing mm. brands yes. that, that that's their kind of MO is they talk about, you know, the bad ingredients that are in other brands. Mm. And that's kind of annoying. It's great if it's truthful. It's not great if it's just an, an, a, you know, an opinion or a fad that's just meant to bring in sales and destroy other brands. Yeah. It is what it is. Mm. Um, <laughs> but um, I don't know. I don't know what will be the next one. I, you know, it's, it's funny. I think we'll, we'll go more and more towards different preservatives. Um, you know, parabens were villainized and, um, you know, but some of the newer preservatives we have don't have as much data and history on them. Mm-hmm. So we don't hundred percent know what's going to happen there. But on the other hand, you don't want your product, you know, having, you know, staph bacteria in it either. So I think that's something we'll be talking more about. Um, but I don't know. I don't know what'll be next. I guess we'll watch maybe different types of emulsifiers. I don't know. I think people are, you know, people are always going to try and find something, yes, right? Yeah. And I do think we should endeavor to always have better products. Mm-hmm. I do. I, I am, I am very much for a clean movement. I just don't always necessarily agree with the, um, ingredients that have been identified. And there's a blanket, there's a blanket, no parabens or no this yeah. or when actually, uh, everyone I speak to says there are places for these things. Mm-hmm. But it's um, so you can't just blacklist a particular type of ingredient or formulation or whatever. Yeah, it might be. yeah. It, it, it's it's a lot more complex than it seems. Mm. It's not like, you know, it's not like we're saying like no pollution particles in the air. Like yeah, like those aren't good for you. Like there's under no circumstances mm. are those the right choice to breathe in pollution. But um, unfortunately, those kind of blanket statements are made when it comes to other things, and it's not necessarily you know, uh, it's not a hundred percent truthful mm. there's a lot so, of misinformation and th- it can there be very is. confusing there is there is right i'm going to move on to the questions yes. from the yes. facebook group so let's go in so i'm trying to do this without knocking my microphone and creating a bang um charlotte asks the brand seems like the perfect balance of style and substance her packaging is the ultimate in luxury but the formulations also speak for themselves as she herself was so focused on the formulation of the product did she have a vision for the iconic packaging too or did she have help and inspiration with this aspect actually i designed the packaging um yeah so that is so that when we first launched we had um it was like a big yellow panel at the top and a black panel at the bottom with these double borders mm-hmm. and what happened was you know there, we, i couldn't afford a graphic designer at all i think i like i started with like ten dollars to be super clear like that was it <laughs> that was all i had i didn't know we, we you started sunday riley with ten dollars yeah it, well it was a little bit more than that but it wasn't wasn't a lot more than that you know i like it was it was all or nothing i started mm-hmm. in my parents house um, that was it, you know, it was, it was, that was it. And so it's, it's really, it, it's, it's a blood, sweat and tears and endeavor, but, um, you know, I couldn't afford a web developer. And so when we had our, you know, website initially, if I had to learn coding languages, am I the best coder? Absolutely not. But I learned enough to be able to mm. initially put a website up. Um, but yeah, so I, I came with that concept. I was like, how can we, 
because I told her we launched in department stores. Mm. And I'm like, we're going to be in the back <laughs> and what Chanel's in the front, like, mm. you know, really iconic, eye-catching packaging. I was like, how are we going to grab their attention in the back of the store? They've never heard of the brand. They know nothing about it. And they have to walk all through the store past all these beautiful brands mm. to get to us. What can we do? And so I just kind of studied, like, what is the mind drawn to? And um, the mind's drawn to color blocking. We, we, our eye is drawn to color blocking. We like color blocking. And the eye is drawn to the golden ratio. And so that's, that's what the packaging was designed in with this original golden ratio. And I used black and yellow color blocking, not because I thought it was beautiful, but because it's, it's something people see. And I, I think it kind of helped a little bit just to kind of bring them over, you know, for mm -hmm. a second. It's yeah. like when we launched, when we were at Barney's, we literally launched end of September. So holiday rolled in October, beginning of November. So we were like live for one month. They put us in Beverly Hills behind the Christmas tree in the Christmas packaging. <laughs> and they were like, but oh if we gosh. didn't hit the sales numbers that we had to hit, we were going to get kicked out of the entire chain, basically. And like, we literally had like $10. And um, like, But the Christmas tree was right there. And I was like, well, can we just be on a little table beside? And it was like, <laughs> no. And it's like, well, can we do this? No. You know, it's like we had to create miracles. So, you know, it was like always trying to figure out, you know, how can we take advantage of the situation we're in and do the best that we can do? So the packaging and then, um, but I really didn't like it, mm -hmm. but it did, it served its purpose and it mm -hmm. got us a little bit of attention. And so then like a couple years later, I was like, okay, let's redesign it. So I kept the exterior whatever. So it's the white front, the, mm -hmm. you know, Pantone 299 <laughs> blue border. Blue's my favorite color. And then the, the black edges and with pops of gold. So yeah, that's, that was it. The $10 in your pocket thing reminds me of um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who mm -hmm. says you should never have a plan B because that plan is to fail. Yeah. Is that how you felt? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, like if, if things happen, things happen, right? And mm -hmm. you've got to, you know, pivot, react and keep moving forward. Because I keep moving forward. You know, I remember Walt, you know, reading that Walt Disney believed in that. And that's been my, that's my I took it from, from Walt Disney. And that's been one of my life mottos, just keep moving forward. Um, with that being said, I don't plan for failure. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I just keep moving forward. Um, if, if, if we have to pivot, then I'll pivot for mm -hmm. sure. I'm not, you know, stuck in the mud and incapable of change. It's just, you know, I don't plan on failing. I just mm -hmm. say, let's keep pivoting towards success. I love that. Yeah. Pivot. It just yeah. always makes me think of Ross with the sofa on Friends. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Pivot. Yeah. But this is far more profound. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, blah, 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 blah. What questions have we got next? Oh, Ruth asked a cheeky question. Okay. Um, I would be interested in knowing why Luna is blue. Mm -hmm. I've heard that it is a dye and has no benefit in the formulation. So is it just marketing to make the product stand out or is it a color for a reason? Um, well, blue is my favorite color, as we were saying. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Luna does have a little bit of um, cosmetic color. It's like it's the pigment that's used in eyeshadow. It's less than a fraction of a percent of what you would swipe on your face mm -hmm. in any given moment. Um, a lot of the blue in Luna is from blue tansy and German chamomile, mm -hmm. which have azulene in it, which is this bluer ingredient. Um, so yeah, the, the Luna was going to have a color anyhow. Mm -hmm. We just enhanced it. And the truth is, is that, you know, people are kind of, drawn towards things and it's like like I said with the color blocking mm -hmm. how do we get attention how do we make sure you see it but Luna stands on its own yeah. as as a product that has profound effects that's why people like it but the blue does have a further point than that mm -hmm. the blue once you uh, it does because it is a microscopic amount once mm -hmm. you rub it into your skin because it's in an oil if they don't rub it into their skin if they don't really kind of massage that mm -hmm. in the raw materials aren't going to get into the skin. The mm -hmm. active ingredients aren't going to get into their skin. So the idea with Luna is like when you put it on, it's got a slight mm -hmm. blue tint. It, you know, it may look dark in the bottle. Mm -hmm. Put it in the palm of your hand. It's like nothing. Mm -hmm. So but I was like rub it in when it goes from blue to blue to sheer, you're in the clear. So it's like you rub <laughs> it in. And once it becomes clear, that's whenever you know the Luna's in your skin, the retinol's in your skin. And so now 
you know, you're going to have, have a great night. You're going to wake That's up looking better. Brilliant. And it's visual, it's beautiful, yeah. and it's, it's easy. And yeah. Luna was the first Sunday Riley product that I tried, and I tried it because I thought it was cool that there was a blue serum. It's cool. I'm yeah, sorry. yeah, yeah. It's, I'm it's, that it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> no, no, but I think, you know, I think it, there's always got to be something that draws people to want to try it, right? Mm-hmm. And they want to try it and they want to see it and what it's, and whatever that may be. It might be, you know, whatever. It might be the cool bottle that it's in, you mm-hmm. know, it might be whatever. It might be the name that draws them. It might be, you know, whatever. Maybe they've heard good things. Mm-hmm. Something's got to make people want to try it and they try it and it works. And so the issue, the thing with Luna is it was going to be blue anyhow because of the, oils that were in it that are blue and then how can we use that as an indicator how can we take advantage of that and use as an indicator so people are actually massaging their skin so that they're actually going to get enough of that product into their material into their skins and Mm -hmm. have have a result still on luna anna has said um i'm interested to know more about how luna works compared to compared to a prescription retin a okay so that's um, been upvoted quite a lot actually by this (laughs) so i'm Good, good. And we actually have a new retinoid product launching um, in, in January that uses a similar kind of profile. So we'll talk about that in a second, but it's, it's A+. So I'm excited about that too. But it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of, I'd say, like Luna's older sibling. So it's, it's a little bit more, a little bit stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, so essentially, just think of retinoids as like transretinoic acid ester. And then you're going to have, you know, like retinol underneath it as a child and then retinol palmitate and other different forms of it and and they all have different you know benefits they all they all you know great benefits but they also have side effects so with a lot of um with a lot of retinoids you're going to have you know peeling or Mm -hmm. you know flaking it's you know it's actually called dusting so it's not really peeling but it looks it looks a lot Mm -hmm. like peeling but Mm -hmm. basically it's just flaking because you know like let's say you put a great retinoid product on your skin it's going to help really you know, you know, bring healthy, beautiful new skin cells to the surface. It happens really quickly, and you get up with this like dead skin cell buildup. You look mm. kind of scary. Uh, it doesn't look great. You have side effects, and you have redness sometimes because it can be a little bit irritating. Mm-hmm. So, prescription retinoids phenomenal, but there are some side effects. So, people, a lot of people give up using it. Um, Luna uses a an ester, so it's the ret, it's the ester of um, all uh, trans. Uh, Transretinoic acid. Sorry, I was like, I was. Is said. it HPR? HPR. Is that the retinol in Luna? It's, it's a. Um, Am I wrong there? I don't call it HPR. Okay. It's like yeah. I'm just thinking maybe we're talking about like how I call tetrahexyl ascorbate THD ascorbate. Maybe there's like a like a short version of it, but I don't. <laughs> but um, it's it's a retinol ester. So essentially, it has, you know, for the most part, all the benefits of. Of retinol, but about let's say I would say on average like you know ninety percent less irritation or less mm-hmm. side effects. So the same thing is true of, of any of the retinoids. They're going to have you know great effects, but they're going to have irritation. So one thing that's true about Luna, it is not as strong as a prescription retinoid. Mm-hmm. That's without a doubt, you know, undeniable. One is a mm-hmm. pharmaceutical drug, and one is you know um, not a pharmaceutical mm-hmm. drug. But it's going to have you know great effects on your skin because it's still a retinoid, mm-hmm. and it's still a strong enough retinoid that it's going to have an effect like retinol palmitate it remains to be seen whether that's going to have an effect. You know, maybe mm-hmm. some people think it does and that's awesome. Um, but I think of it as more of a vitamin. Um, oh, but yeah, but when you have, you know, a retinol ester, it does go into your skin. You do have effects, but you're going to have less side effects. Mm-hmm. Um, is it going to, you know, be as strong as a prescription? No, no. But you're not going to have the same side effects. So mm-hmm. the odds that you're going to use it longer and then over time have more positive mm-hmm. benefit are a lot stronger. Most people I know who are on prescription retinoids, a lot of them end up giving up yep. after about, you know, four to eight weeks to say, I look so bad. So you use Luna for two years, you keep using it. You're going to have a lot better effects because you kept using it. Yeah. Julia asks, I work in marketing and communications. What inspires her product names? 
Uh, I think when you have a name like Sunday, you just like a, a little bit of, you know, <laughs> a little bit of weirdness in naming. But I always say I'm a, I'm a serious person with a whimsical name. Um, <laughs> and I, yeah, it's the same as the, as the products. That. They're serious products with whimsical names because they, they can be a little bit intimidating. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important that, um, to kind of humanize them a bit and make yeah. them, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to have people who are afraid to touch it because they're saying like, what's going to happen if I use this? Mm-hmm. You want them to be like, yeah, you know, I, I'm going to try that. It's called good jeans. Like, why not? You know, that sounds kind of fun. Or Luna, like, Hey, Hey, that could be cool, mm. you know, and, but to give it a go, people are terrified of active ingredients. They're terrified of retinoids. They're terrified mm. of, you know, acids or terrified of whatever they shouldn't be. Um, but they are, and I get it. I respect that. So it's like, okay, let's make it serious. Let's make it a serious mm. product, kind of fun, you know, elegant packaging, fun names. Like mm-hmm. at least we can have like a little bit of fun. And actually Annalise says, I love Luna. It changed my face. Good. And yeah. then her actual question is, I've heard a rumor that Good Jeans is going to be reformulated. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us more about Good Jeans and possible formula changes? Um, that's sort of 100% true. <laughs> <laughs> so so here, here's the actual answer, which is that, you know, in... in um, you know, in non-EU countries, non, non-UK, it's not going to be, it's, nothing's changing with the formula. Good Jeans has been the exact same since it launched. It's the only, you know, Good Jeans, when we launched on day one in September of uh, 2009, Good Jeans was there. Mm-hmm. We got Ceramic Slip and Juno like three or four months later, but Good Jeans was there. It's the only product that's been around since then. The formula hasn't changed. It's not going to change. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we it actually uh, might change a little bit. I'm going to clean up the preservative system and stuff like that. But the, um, the, the fundamental backbone of the product is what it is. It's going to stay the same. Unfortunately, um, because we are a U.S. brand, when we bring products into the U.K., for instance, we have to follow uh, local laws and regulations. We have no choice. Mm-hmm. And we have to also get our product imported. We don't have a British entity or a you know European entity where we're importing our products into it. Mm-hmm. So we have to get imported, which means that we have to make sure that we're following everything. And so we have to get... A, a third-party company to be our RP, our responsible party who, who vouches for our product, and then they have to get another third party, a safety assessment report, written saying that this product is safe for the market. That safety assessor has to look at it and say, are they complying with every single little thing? Mm-hmm. Well, right now, there is an opinion paper that says that they don't believe that lactic acid in products um, is, they, you know, that they're not going to allow that or they don't believe it should be and if you are going to use it, it has to be a pH of five. So we got into a situation where no one was going to be willing to, to give us all this clearance. We believe in good genes. I believe it's a great in- product. I believe it's a great ingredient. Globally, it's accepted. It's wonderful. People love it. They rally behind it. But I have to follow local laws mm. and regulations, and it is what it is. So we had a choice. We could either pull good genes from the entire European UK, everything market, we could do that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which wasn't great because it was a great seller for us. We could do what they recommended, which is raise the pH to five, um, which is not great either because I don't think it's going to be anywhere near as effective. Um, and that would fundamentally change the formula, mm-hmm. but at a cost, I think, to the integrity of the product, which is right. not what I'm going to stand for. Mm-hmm. Um, or we could change the formula for these markets and put in an acid that they approve of and then get it in like that and say, hey, we're going to make the same concept as good genes for this market. We're going to change the acid, but we're going to keep it the same low pH, same great quality, same instant results um, and use the, the backbone of the formulation. So mm. that's the same, but just kind of change the change the driver of the vehicle. Mm. Same vehicle, different driver. <laughs> so we changed it to glycolic acid, which is what we needed to do to mm-hmm. get this product on the market and um, took the took advantage to you know green it a little bit 
we changed the preservative system a little bit, um, made some other little tweaks to the formula, and um, it's beautiful. It's got the same percentage of acid in it, um, and it, it follows all local regulations, so that mm-hmm. was <laughs> that was critical. Um, and the pH is 3.5. I think the product is phenomenal. It took me a very long time to get this one right, though, because mm-hmm. it's like, what do you do with your most iconic product if well, you yeah. have to make changes for a market mm. and how do you stand behind it so you can say, yeah, this is good enough to carry the good genes name. Like, how do you do that? And you do it with a lot of trial and error. So it took yeah. a really long time and we give it to people and be like, Hey, what do you think? Do you like it? And then they were like, ah, yeah, I like it, but not as much. I'm like, it's not good enough. And we kept going and kept going and kept going until our, even our most devout good genes followers said, you know, I think I like this one better. And I was like, once we got, I like it better then I knew we hit it. And so, yeah. And I honestly, it's, it's amazing. So it's good genes. It's the glycolic version. Yeah. And it's, um, the dream is that somebody would pick up the new product, mm-hmm. the new formulation, not realizing it had changed and think that they're using the same product or get the same benefits. Or something or something better. Okay. Yeah. That was the idea. The idea is always to, how can we make improvements? How can we make it better? Mm-hmm. This wasn't like, oh, well, you know, how can we substitute something out and give them something that will be good enough? It wasn't about being good enough. It was, how can we be better? Mm-hmm. So if you ask me, you know, that's what we're delivering right now. So a negative, mm-hmm. if you want to call it that, of being told you this product is cannot be sold here, mm-hmm. was turned into a positive of, right, fine. Yeah. Violet um, was a big fan of breathable tinted primer and wants mm-hmm. to know whether it will come back and return. Yeah, ab- absolutely not. So, <laughs> so you know, again, um, I, I like the product. Um, I put it on the market. I stood behind it. And I thought it was really good. Um, do I think it could be better? Yeah. And do I think that that was reflected in sales? Yeah. So I think people didn't buy enough of it um, to, to merit us keeping on the mm-hmm. market because I think that it could it could be a better version of itself. So I, I respect and I love the mm-hmm. fact that she liked it and I think that's amazing. And I want to give her a product that, uh, that I can stand behind and think is great. So we'll continue to innovate in that category mm-hmm. and we will make sure that she has something that we think is great that will be a great replacement for it. We don't have it yet, um, but it just, it was no longer from my opinion, good enough to be on the market by I think that's amazing that mm. she liked it and I would I want to make sure she gets something that you know I really can stand behind. It's interesting as a brand, what you're saying is, yes, just because a product d- disappears, it doesn't mean that it's gone forever. It means that when the equivalent comes yeah. back, it'll be kick-ass. Yeah. It'll be really good. Because uh, Rachel's also said that she loved Artemis mm-hmm. for her congested combination skin and was really upset when it was discontinued. What would you recommend from the current range in lieu of Artemis to help with her skin? Uh, UFO. So what happened with Artemis was, you know, I like Artemis, and, and we had diehard Artemis fans. Mm. I mean, diehard ones. But um, the problem with Artemis is that whatever, due to whatever it was, kind of the, the weird you know, fact of life, Artemis would sometimes get cloudy with time. It didn't affect the quality, but it would get cloudy, and it would sometimes crystallize on the uh, inside rings of the dropper. Mm. And so it just didn't look great, and people mm. would want to return it. And I thought, you know what, you're right. This isn't great. Does the product still as effective? Yes. But is it, it? does it look cloudy and is it crystallizing? Yes. That's not good enough to put on the market. Mm. So I set about saying, like, let's let's reformulate Artemis. Let's make it so. Just make little tweaks to where it doesn't happen. And I was like, why do people like Artemis? Number one, they like it if they have congested skin. So I'm like, well, what can we put into an oil that would give them something to be really happy about the clear congested skin? I was like, salicylic acid. So we started making, you know, I did I, I, so many changes to Artemis mm. um, that fundamentally the final product, which was an oil that was meant to just fix some of the issues with Artemis, which was the cloudiness and the crystallization. Um, but it, 
those fundamental changes made it so different that I was like, I don't think we can call this Artemis because it's, it's such a different product. Um, so let's just call it a different product and say Artemis phased out. But UFO was how do we, how do we correct Artemis so that these drawbacks aren't there and it just became right. a new product. But that's how UFO came about. So that's what I always say for those clients. That's UFO. My brain is so weird. I was like, oh, it's like uh, Jean Grey from yeah. X-Men yes. becoming female. Uh, obviously. <laughs> that's obviously I'm what it so is. so sorry. Everyone loves us. I love where, X-Men, so I, don't I know get where it. where that came from. I get from. it. <laughs> I'm glad that you get that. It's yeah. an evolution. It's, yeah, it's um, a phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> I can't think of anything else. Yeah. Um, so, yes, that's, that's our listener questions. Let me just check I haven't missed anything. Oh, here's a good one. Sorry that I did miss out. Alison, does she think business industry savvy or a good product slash beauty knowledge is more important to the success of launching a new brand? Oh, um, I think they're I think they're both important, mm. but I don't think you have to just learn savviness at school. I think that you know I think that's something that just has a lot of common sense and figuring out how to communicate to people, how to communicate a message, mm. um, and and how to get you know values across. But I think that you know, good product stands for itself. Mm. Um, I think I think if you don't have any savviness, you can have an amazing product and no one buys it. Mm-hmm. And that's a shame too. Um, but you can be really savvy and sell crap. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think longevity comes from good product and savviness. Yeah, a healthy balance of yeah, both. Yeah, it does, it does. Oh, Sunday, I've really loved talking to you. I've loved being here. It's been, it's been, it's been so wonderful. This, is, this has been your first visit to the Emma Gunn Show, but I have no doubt that it will won't be the last. Yes, I, I love it. Let's do it again. Um, yeah. And what was I going to end on? I was go- going to end on something to do with Texas. Oh, yes. Oh, no, I know exactly what I'm going to end on. So you live in Texas. Well, yes. we think Tim Ferriss yeah. lives in Austin, Texas. Yeah. So we, we're going to work something out there. Yeah, for sure. But also, well, he's my neighbor. So. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Obviously, so yeah. I'll be around next yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. Um, Good deal. But also, you've got great intel about something that's happening in London right now that I knew nothing about. So we're going to get in a cab now, listeners, because we have it on good authority from a London cab driver <laughs> that Ryan Gosling is in town. That is what I heard last night. And we know yeah. what hotel he's staying we in. Do. So we, do. we need to wrap this up so yeah, we can go Yeah, he's and... amazing. Like, we should go together. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think... Yeah, I mean, like, obviously. He'll yeah. come out of those lifts and be like, oh, it's Sunday and <laughs> The ladies of my dreams. Let's, uh, let's, have, let's have some old-fashioned... Yeah. Yeah. some bar snacks and yeah. go wild yeah <laughs> that's what he always says though so yeah, yeah. whenever just I the see old him it's just yeah. like oh yeah change the record yada, Ryan. Yada, yada, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> try something new yeah on that note thank you so much oh thank you thank you so much Thank you so much for listening. I really do hope that you enjoyed that episode of the podcast featuring Sunday Riley. If you want to get in touch with the show, it's so easy. Email me on thebeautypodcast at gmail.com. Slide into my DMs on social media where I am at Emma Guns on Instagram and Twitter. And you can also join the Facebook group. The link to join will be in the show notes. And that's where you can get in touch with me or start your own conversation with the other 2,000 members of the group. It's been so good having you here. I hope that you enjoyed that conversation and I will see you on the next one.